This is your award-winning BCFM on 93.2, 24 hours a day. Good morning, that was No Fire by Sir. This is uh, BCFM. You are listening to the One Love, One Planet show here on BCFM. We're an award-winning environmental radio show where we talk all things environmental in Bristol, the UK and the rest of the world. My name's Shona Jemfrey. I'm presenting this programme for several months. The amazing Penny Southgate is off doing some very important work, liaising with community radio across the UK to boost environmental content on their airwaves. So if you're aware of a community radio station in another part of the UK that would be interested in sharing interviews, sharing content, sharing ideas, then do get in touch. You can uh, contact us via the BCFM email address or you can find me on Twitter, Shona Jemfrey. That's S-H-O-N-A-J-E-M-P-H-R-E-Y. So today we're going to be looking at some news stories related to the environment, both in Bristol and further afield. We're going to play some tunes as always and today we have an interview with Henry Coleman from the Planet Local Summit a global event happening right here in Bristol this weekend which is all about uh, localization apparently the local food economy embracing local business alliance decentralizing renewable energy systems focusing on local finance it's focusing on localization as a solution to some of the climate crisis issues we have, the supply chain issues we have. So do stick around because that is a really interesting interview. Um, We're also going to be talking about various events coming up in Bristol in the next few days, in the next few weeks that you can get involved in to do with the environment. But first, let's kick it off with talking about some news stories. And there's actually quite a few positive news stories this week, which is lovely because not always the case. Um, The first one is on the Reuters.com website and the headline is dozens of nations to sign UN Ocean Treaty, but implementation still awaits. So a new UN treaty to protect the world's oceans was signed by 67 countries on Wednesday, which is another step in efforts to reverse the damage done to fragile marine environments by overfishing and other human activities. The Global Pact to Conserve Biodiversity on the High Seas was finally agreed in March and formally adopted by the UN in June, and it's seen as a crucial tool to meet a target agreed last year to protect 30% of the Earth's land and sea by 2030. This target is known as 30 by 30. So the UK government has just signed this in New York, amazing, but there is still more to do. The government has to make it legally binding by passing it through Parliament. Greenpeace are calling the signing a huge win for our climate, oceans and the people that rely on them, saying it's the biggest conservation victory ever, but now it needs to become reality. There is a Greenpeace petition to get the UK government to pass it through Parliament. So we will be following that, which is very exciting. Um, Another uh, update, another uh, headline from The Guardian saying staggering green growth gives hope for 1.5 degrees centigrade, says the global energy head. This is a headline in The Guardian saying the prospects of the world staying within the 1.5 centigrade limit on global heating have brightened owing to the staggering growth of renewable energy and green investment in the past two years. This is what the chief of the world's energy watchdog has said, Fatih Birol executive director of the international energy agency and the world's foremost energy economist apparently says much more needs to be done but the rapid uptake of solar power and electric vehicles is encouraging 
But he notes that the greenhouse gas emissions from the energy sector are still stubbornly high and that the extreme weather seen around the world this year has shown the climate is already changing at frightening speed. And we've got more of that weather, I think, coming in from what I hear. There's a storm coming into Bristol, coming into the UK tomorrow or later this week. So do batten down the hatches and take your laundry in. But yes, the uh, International Energy Agency has released a report entitled Net Zero Roadmap that was published uh, in the last week and has been has called on developed countries with 2050 net zero targets, including the UK, to bring them forward by several years. So this is having a net zero target by 2050, saying this is when we're going to hit net zero. But the International Energy Agency is saying we need to do better. We can't have that. The report finds almost all countries must move forward their targeted net zero dates, which for most developed countries is 2050, although there some have closer dates, such as Germany with 2045, Austria and Iceland have got 2040. And of course, there would be activists and organisations that say that is not enough and that we should be aiming for 2030 or 2035. So a lot to think about there, some hopeful news, but still a lot of work to do. And obviously with the news recently that Rishi Sunak is uh, chickening out of any green energy policies to a massive backlash, then uh, that is uh, interesting as to how the UK is going to meet those targets that they've set themselves. And finally, most uh, local news um, in the Bristol 24-7, there's a headline called Overground, Not Underground or Overground with Underground. And this is all about a disagreement between the two sort of main mayors of Bristol. So there's the mayor, Marvin Rees, mayor of Bristol, and then the mayor, Dan Norris, who is mayor for the West of England Combined Authority. And they're having a disagreement as to whether an underground is feasible or not. Uh, If you live in Bristol, you have definitely heard of this underground debate before. It pops up every few months with a debate as to whether it's actually possible. You know, can we, uh, is a mass transit system, you know, is, is, is it good for Bristol? What's how expensive is it going to be? The cost seems to keep going up. Uh, we were debating this on the breakfast show yesterday. Um, Marvin Rees has been a massive uh, advocate for it, saying Bristol deserves one. Uh, Dan Norris is saying that it's not feasible financially. Um, that you know that we we need to be looking at other things, saying that it's not going to be getting enough. And we're not going to be able to get enough money. It's not going to have the right business case. It's saying it's not affordable. So, yeah, and apparently he's saying that he'll be looking at mass transit options, which are overground, um, to try and get those options instead. I mean, what most people in Bristol will be saying, why can't we sort the buses out first? You know, the very basics of a public transit system is sorting the buses out. We've invited Dan Norris on this show before. He hasn't responded. But if anyone in his office is listening, please do get him to come on the show and defend himself as to why he is not looking into franchising in Bristol. This is a solution that is being implemented in Manchester that has worked in London. It's an idea that the local government would have more say over local bus systems and ticket prices and routes. So, yeah, Dan Norris, what is going on? Um, So, yeah, there is a lot going on in the news cycle this week. We are going to be coming on to talk to, as I say, Henry Coleman, who is uh, one of the organisers of the Planet Local Summit, an international event happening in Bristol this weekend, uh, where we're going to be hearing all about localisation. You can also be join, join that online for free if you can't attend in person. And there are also discounted tickets for people who do want to attend in person who are Bristol activists. So we'll be hearing all about that after we play a bit more music. Good morning. This is One Love. 
And here with us in the studio today, we've got a very exciting guest. It's Henry Coleman from Local Futures, who's helping to organise the Planet Local Summit right here in Bristol. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, Shona. Thanks so much for having me on your show. No worries. Thank you for coming on. So please tell us a bit about the Planet Local Summit. What What is it? It sort of sounds like a contradiction in terms and it's, it's happening right. here in Bristol. Right. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> it is a bit of what I call a potent paradox with the, the worldwide localization movement. It's really a landmark event for a worldwide movement that's focused on localization. Um, and what we believe is that, and localization means the strengthening of local economies, local cultures, building of place-based communities, shortening distances between producer and consumer, smaller scale, diversified food systems. There's a whole movement around it, particularly strong in food. Um, but what we believe is that that movement is going to be strengthened by connecting internationally. Um, so it's kind of collaboration between grassroots groups in different areas of the world, working to localize the economy. And that also means um, standing in solidarity against the globalized economy, which is imposing itself everywhere. So there's the international element to this, as well as the place-based, grassroots, bottom-up element to this. So that's why we call it the Planet Local Summit. That makes sense. And what is localization? That's quite an unusual word. I don't, I'm not sure I heard it much before. Yeah. Um, well, we call localization the that we re, we use the word localization to refer to moving in the other direction away from corporate globalization. Relatively simply, it means the shortening of distances between producer and consumer. It means the building of place-based institutions or cultures. You'll know the localization movement um, through the local food movement, uh, through small business alliances, and through you know community mutual aid networks, and all of these things are manifestations of this shift towards reconnecting with community and with nature in our places. Um, so localization as a kind of economic path which deals with shifting subsidies, taxes and regulations away from the globalized economy and large-scale corporations towards smaller-scale businesses and institutions. That can also be called decentralization. Um, Bioregionalism is also more of an academic term that refers to this kind of worldview and this movement. Uh, but we like localization because I think people have an intuitive feeling that the local is important and maybe more important than it's been understood to be in the, in the modern world. I see. And and how, how does that link to the climate emergency? How is that related to the environment? It just sounds like mm-hmm. people wanting to, I don't know, support local businesses, which is great. But how does that link to mm. the wider climate? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good and very important question. Um, I came at this whole work through a concern for nature and a concern about the climate emergency, like growing up um, in an era where I've been hearing about the climate emergency since I was a little kid. And um, I think when I, what clicked for me around localization was this idea that it's, it's really the, this large-scale global industrial economy that's, that's imposing 
a very resource intensive way of living everywhere on earth. Um, it's, it, it's promoting consumerism in, in virtually every country. Um, it's driving up resource use. So right now we have, because of support for globalization, we have uh, fish from the UK being uh, transported all the way to China or Thailand to be deboned or peeled. You know, prawns from Scotland going to Thailand to be peeled and then um, being shipped or, or even flown sometimes back again to be sold. We have English apples that are waxed in South Africa and then come back to be sold. I'm from Australia, as you might hear, and there we have nuts being flown to China to be cracked open before coming back. Um, so it's a really crazy globalized economy. And not only are the emissions from that trade really significant and often underestimated, not really, um, even in the climate negotiations, emissions from trade are, are kind of ignored because the assumption is you can't harm trade. And we have people at the Planet Local Summit talking about that particular issue. Um, but not only is it those large scale, like those really long supply chains and the emissions from those. But also what that does is to promote export-oriented production, agricultural production, production of basic needs on a large scale for export. So those long distances are connected to monocultural farms, factory farms. One of the big things we're trying to raise awareness about is how significant um, <clears throat> the emissions from food systems are and not only climate emissions, but also destruction of biodiversity, depletion of soils, draining of wetlands, all sorts of environmental harms, um, toxic chemicals uh, being used on these monocultural plantations for the export economy. So what we see in the local food movement is a return to shorter distances and local markets, which stimulates diversification on the land. Small-scale producers producing lots of different things for the local market massively reduces the need for toxic chemicals, is far, yet far less resource intensive, and has it's only that kind of agriculture that has a shot at being genuinely regenerative, <clears throat> at building soil and sequestering carbon and bringing back biodiversity. So the food system is a good way to understand the, the larger idea about localization, about how it is about reducing resource use while building community and regenerating the land. I see. I mean, that, that all sounds like very, very good. Um, what's <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> sorry, I kind of went on a bit of a spiel there. No, it's good. <laughs> so t tell us about the Planet Local Summit, because that's happening this weekend in Bristol. What, what is that? What could people expect? And can anyone go? Yeah, so um, we still have tickets, I think, for... Friday and Saturday. There might also be some on Sunday. There's also live streaming tickets available, which um, you can get for free. Um, the Planet Local Summit is about convening this movement. And a lot of people who, whose work I really admire, you know, that may be well known in a particular um, environmental or social activist circle, I'd hope they are uh, well known outside of that as well. But um, people like Vandana Shiva are speaking, um, uh, Charles Eisenstein, some people may have heard of, Ian McGilchrist is a supporter of this movement, um, and Bayo Komalafe. Some of these names might be 
recognizable to some of your listeners, I'd hope. And um, yeah, so basically it's a big gathering of, of voices from all around the world who have been promoting this shift from global to local, um, as well as grassroots activists, you know, small farmers from uh, from Zimbabwe and... Um, so then they're all coming to Bristol this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we paradoxically, you know, th- there is this need to meet up in person, especially after COVID, a great need for this movement to come together. Um, and it has been strengthened during COVID. A lot of people realize the importance of shorter supply chains and more resilient local economies during COVID. Um, but what we need now is a is this face-to-face meetup where people can get on the same page and um, and and build a united call for a structural shift from global to local as well. So as good as it is that that the local food movement is growing and that people are doing all sorts of amazing things in their communities, what is also needed is uh, a united voice that calls for policy shifts and a structural shift from global to local. That would look like economic policies that support the building of local infrastructures rather than the building of very heavy infrastructures for for global trade. Um, uh, Regulations that support the flourishing of those kind of initiatives rather than regulations that free up global business while strangling smaller scale businesses. So those are the kind of shifts we need. And to do that, we need to get our voices aligned. Um, And I think the Planet Local Summit will be a really important moment for that movement. So what's actually going to happen at the summit? What could people expect? Is it going to be sort of lectures? Is it going to be debates? What's going to happen? Because it's over three days as well. It's quite long as these things go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there are a lot of people joining (laughs) so um a lot to fit in but yeah it will be some some talks delivered some debates some rapid fire presentations um where a lot of different activists and and community builders share a little bit about what they're doing there'll be opportunities for networking there are workshops there's what we've called a, a people's assembly um where small groups get together to uh, work on these issues. There will be, um, you know, also obviously trying to break it up with some more comedic elements or music and th- things to get people uh, in a different headspace. And yeah, so that's what the Planet Local Summit is going to look like, the nuts and bolts of it. I see. And whereabouts is it happening? So Friday and Saturday are at St. George's, Bristol. Um and, Where, and I'm you... I'm I've come for this summit from from Australia, so, <laughs> well, <I> can, <laughs> so I'm not I, exactly that's all right. I can tell our sure. listeners. So it's this it's the St George's Hall off Park Street, very close to Brandon Hill Park. Don't Thank go you. to don't don't go to the neighbourhood St George's. There's also a neighbourhood called St George's in uh, Bristol, which is slightly confusing. Uh-huh. But yeah, but it's a oh, good to know. it's it's an acoustic concert hall, um, very close to. City Hall off Park Street near Brandon Hill. So that's where Friday and Saturday are happening. Yeah. And then Sunday is at the Tobacco Factory. Yeah, Tobacco and Factory in Bedminster. And that's, I imagine, um, many of those in Bristol will, will know George Ferguson, who was the first independent elected mayor of Bristol. And he, and also the 
kind of um, pers- the creative mind behind the tobacco factory and all that goes on there. So he is yes. a big supporter of us. and he, uh, a, um, a controversial name in Bristol, but yeah, definitely someone people uh, okay. will have heard of. But yeah, so, he, so yeah. he's, he's um, supporting this as well. Yeah, right. And he's um, painted a mural on the... Uh, people would probably know the tobacco factory mural wall, which is kind of opposite yeah. the Aldi car park. Yeah. And the new, new mural has been unveiled there. Yeah. Thanks to the artist Inky and Silent Hobo. Who have, oh, right. George didn't, um, George didn't paint it himself. No. <laughs> George didn't paint it himself. But he came up with, he helped come up with a concept for it and, um, and funded it. And so, yeah, thankful for that and, and for the mural. It just looks, we're very excited yeah, about it. Yeah, I'm looking um, at pictures of it. No, it does look really nice. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. And it's um, encapsulating a lot of the elements of this this global movement but also with that kind of Bristol style um and obviously these are Bristol artists so there's that element I mean Bristol is an amazing place for the Planet Local Summit because of uh so much of the yeah because it's a a bit of a hub for the localization movement I'd say from from what I know and I have had the chance to spend some time in Bristol um lately and a few years ago but yeah Bristol has a powerful local food movement, local markets, um, uh, kind of community, decentralized politics, and as well as um, I think historically and and maybe still some some forward thinking policies about supporting localization, the local food movement there in Bristol. So, yeah, it's a, it's really the right place for it. Great. I mean, I'm looking at some of the sessions here and there's there's so many, you know, you frequently got eight sessions going on at once in the afternoon. So mm. things talking about, um, yeah, education, talking about the Green New Deal, talking about local reinvestment, you know, how young people can react to a world in crisis. Um, mm-hmm. it, what, what are you most excited about? Because I imagine you're very busy behind the scenes doing all the last-minute frantic organizing, but if you get the chance to go see something, what in particular are you excited about? You, you imagine you imagine correctly, yes. Um, I, I'm, I'm very excited about meeting a lot of these people whose work I've followed for some time. Um, I, I'm looking forward to hearing from Camila Moreno, who is a Brazilian activist and... Uh, critic of the climate negotiations. She's been at all of the COPs, the Conference of the Parties, and um, <clears throat> with a really, uh, I think, cutting analysis of what's going on there in terms of in terms of power, in terms of the expansion of the financial sector, and in and <clears throat> um, I'm I kind of get off on that stuff. So I want to hear from her. There's Mika Tsutsumi, who is a who's a Japanese uh, investigative journalist who's written strongly against the corporatization of food and agriculture um, in Japan and is supporting a movement of um, mothers who want organic food for their children's health, uh, of small farmers and seed savers in Japan. So I want to hear from her. Um, There's Ian McGilchrist, who is... I don't know if he actually calls himself a philosopher, but I think he's one of the most important philosophers that I've come across. Um, he's come from a, a neuroscience background and um, 
is looking at a world that's that's moving in two different directions in terms of um, technology and this particular way of being in the modern world, this rushed kind of left brain um, way and and contrasting that with the the wiser parts of ourselves that know we need to return to to stronger relationships with community, more direct contact with nature. And anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing him talk. I'm going to be the the panel you mentioned, inheriting a world in crisis. Um, young people from around the world discussing uh, how to face up to the challenges of. Um, not only a world in crisis, but also a political system that seems incredibly hard to shift. And how do we maintain hope and commitment to activism? So some of the people on that panel are Poppy Okocha, who's a, who's a name from the local food movement um, and permaculture movement in the UK. She's in Devon. Um, there's Thais from Brazil. And uh, anyway, I won't go into all the details, but some young people who I find um, inspiring, even just for the fact that they're that they're maintaining a commitment to a better future and maintaining a commitment to the to the belief in the possibility of systems change, meaningful systems change. So those are a few of the things. I'm sure there's so so much more. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sounds like there's, yeah, as you say, absolutely loads going on, I imagine. And, you know, it's going on till some of the, the parties and the events are, well, not the parties, but the music events are going on till you know, half nine, 10 p.m. Yeah, we'll, so we'll people make are, it a party. We'll so, make it a party. So, <laughs> so I imagine it'll be quite, everyone will be quite exhausted by the end of it. Um, oh, I, I don't dare, dare say, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, all this talk about, about people, you know, organic food and, uh, living healthily, what would you say to people who are saying, well, this is just, you know, this is very middle class, upper class, you know, mm -hmm. just wanting to be free from the preservatives and just eat everything really nicely, but this isn't actually affordable mm -hmm. for working people. What would you yeah. say to that? Yeah, I'd say join the localization movement because we need to make it affordable for people. And those are all economic decisions. You know, it is true that some of a large part of this movement in the in the Western world, you know, there's a, a huge small farmers movement throughout the global South that is very strongly promoting localization, local economies, food sovereignty. Um, but in the Western world, sometimes it does come from that middle class place. Um, yeah, and it's because people aren't looking at the economy and realizing that by shifting some strategic economic policies we could move away from a situation where the Tesco's and the Aldi's have the cheapest and most affordable food, all of which is subsidized. You know, the production of that food, the, the global trade of it, that has all been subsidized by public money. So we're paying for it out of the tax, um, out, of the, out of the tax bank or whatever. And um, we could pay for something very different. We could pay, we could shift taxes, subsidies and regulations towards smaller scale producers and local markets and make sure that the that local, fresh, organic, healthy food, sustainable food is the most accessible and affordable food in the marketplace. That's really one of the most fundamental uh, things that could happen with, with localization that we want to make happen is to raise awareness about the possibility of that kind of shift and shift those economic supports so that it is accessible for everyone. That's like key to 
to solving the crises we're in, and human health crises as well as environmental, you know? Yeah, and I mean, this I don't know if this is the, just the first summit, so you may not have had much reaction, but what reaction have you had from policymakers? Because, uh, you know, it, it sounds very good, but are they? is this something that you think is mm-hmm. actually realistic in, under mm-hmm. the current system? Yeah, well, it's... we And we have had a series of conferences around the world on these issues. We've had World Localization Day. We've been kind of campaigning for this for quite some time. This is our biggest event ever. Um, But yeah, over the years, we have garnered the support of policymakers. They tend to be relatively lone voices. There's actually, um, in in saying that, there's a, a, what do you call it, like a network of of mayors in Korea, in South Korea, um, city mayors who are promoting an economy of solidarity and localization. We've been working with them. Often it tends to be policymakers who are more, who are closer to the ground and who are responding to the needs of their communities, um, where this awareness about the need to go local kind of is trickling up. So, um, while it's not the case that any, I guess, major party, major political party in the Western world has really looked at localization seriously, we do believe that it's high time that we build people's movements to help that awareness trickle up and to shift policymaking. We, and like I say, we start to see that at the municipal level, at the city level, uh, in various places around the world. We have a Japanese policymaker who will be at our Planet Local Summit Um here in Bristol. So there are signs of hope there. Lovely. So well, Sabine, it all sounds very interesting. So if anyone's listening who wants to go along, remind us when it's happening, where it's happening, and where people can get tickets. Great. Uh, it's happening this Friday, this Saturday, and this Sunday. You can get one day, two day, or three day tickets um, at localfutures.org. That's localfutures.org. Um, and you can yeah click towards the Planet Local Summit page from there. Um, there are also live streaming tickets available if you just want to tune into p- particular things. The program's all on the website. And uh, yeah, we really hope to see you there. We, especially those who are involved in uh, activism, community building efforts in Bristol. Um, there are promo codes available for those kind of people. So if you if you are involved in that kind of work and want to come to the summit, email me at h.coleman, that's C-O-L-E-M-A-N, at localfutures.org, h.coleman at localfutures.org, and I'll get you a promo code. Well, that sounds, yeah, we look forward to sort of seeing and hearing how it goes. Uh, is there any final words you want to leave with us? Um, so one of the other really important elements to this localization movement is how important it is for people's mental health and well-being. We're in a situation right now where a globalized economy has cut us off from community and um, put us into high-rise boxes in urban centers, disconnected from, from community and disconnected from nature as well, atomized, isolated. Loneliness is an epidemic in the modern world. And... So I do believe that the localization movement and one of the biggest reasons for it, one of the biggest reasons that people are 
doing it out of their own common sense is because they know those connections are integral to who we are. A restoration of meaningful relationships between people, intergenerational relationships where people are seen and heard for who they really are. Um, and it's not all a kind of ego-based competition of social media likes. It's about localization is about moving away from that world into a, a, the fabric of relationships, place-based relationships that we really evolved with. And so the mental benefits, the psychological, emotional, spiritual benefits of that shift cannot be really overstated. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come on local radio station. Actually, that is something I'd like to say is how important local media, and that's something I haven't actually touched on this session, but how important local media is for this movement and for um, information sharing at the grassroots level about things that really affect people's lives. So it's awesome what you're doing. And in the localization movement, we hope to support exactly that kind of stuff. That was Dance the Night Away by the Cat Empire. Um, yeah, and so thank you very much again to uh, Henry Coleman for coming in and speaking to us all about the Planet Local Summit, which is happening in Bristol this coming weekend and which you can get tickets for or you can get discounted tickets for if you're a local activist, if you email them, or you can also watch it for free online. And it sounds like there will be quite a lot going on. So if local food chains, local food supplies is something you're interested in, then maybe check that out. So we are almost at the end of the show. There's a few things I want to cover. So we're going to talk a little bit about some upcoming things that we will be looking at in future shows. Firstly, I want to play a trailer to a documentary that I hear is going to be uh, appearing at the Bristol Film Festival in November. And this is called, uh, it's called I Am More Dangerous Dead. And we'll just play it now. Do you buy guys from Shell? No. Why not? Why? They killed my father. It's an embarrassing chapter in what has been a deeply troubled history for Shell in Nigeria, accused for years of environmental degradation and human rights abuses. We want freedom! We want freedom! Shell is declared personal non grata in Ogoni. Shell has flared gas in Nigeria for 33 years. This is the worst uh, case of pollution that I have seen in any part of the world where people have prospected for oil. Ken Sarawiwa, writer, human rights activist, campaigner on behalf of his fellow tribesmen, hanged this morning in a Nigerian prison. Now, the execution of a human rights activist that has been denounced in the United States and around the world. When I speak about my father, there's always going to be a layer of selfishness. I want, I want a father. I've always wanted a father. I'd want my father to be in my life. There are people who are dying for their causes, and you don't hear their names. There are people in the same situation who died, who gave their lives. You will never hear their names. In one's pursuit for justice, do you think it's worth sacrificing your own life for it? And that is the trailer for a documentary called I Am More 
Dangerous Dead, which is uh, it paints an unconventional portrait of a forgotten hero, Ken Sarawiwa, a Nigerian environmental activist, poet and writer who led the ethnic minority of the Ogoni people to protest the devastating effects of oil exploitation on their land. As a result, he was executed by his own government in 1995 with the financial backing of Shell Oil Company. This is all in the blurb about the, uh, the synopsis of the documentary. But the attempt to silence his movement only made their cries grow louder, Weaving together a tapestry of interviews with those closest to Ken and infused with his deeply evocative poetry, the film unflinchingly examines the effects of big oil on those impacted the most by its racist practices. Directed by Nigerian filmmaker Mayaji Uchibeke, I Am More Dangerous Dead poses the question, do you know where your gas comes from and would you sacrifice your life for what you believe in? So we are hoping to potentially get one of the someone involved in the documentary onto the show in the coming weeks and as I say I hear that it's going to be at the Bristol International Film Festival in November so do keep an eye out for that. So a few things just to sum up and just to finish up with so there is a Community Climate Action Day here at Eastside Community Trust happening at Felix Road Adventure Playground. And that is on Saturday the 30th of September. That's this Saturday from 12 till 4pm. Free drop in any time. And the description of the event says, We are a year into our Community Climate Action Project. We want to take this opportunity to share with you, local people, local residents, what we've been doing to check. Are we still on the right path? Have our community's priorities changed Does our local climate action plan need refreshing? The day will be fun and family friendly with lots of activities to help us explore together how together we can all take action to reduce the impact of climate change while also saving money and creating happier and healthier neighbourhoods. Activities include cycling lessons, bulb planting, DIY draft proofing workshop, energy advice, face painting, nature based arts and crafts, community meal and more. So if that's something you're interested in, that's at Felix Road Adventure Playground between 12 and 4 this Saturday. And that's free entry for anyone local. Um, if you're interested in the environment, do check that out. Another event happening um, on the 7th of October, so that's in a couple of Saturdays time, is a cute fundraiser fiesta for Eastern Community Garden. So this is happening on Saturday the 7th of October 6 to 10 p.m. at the Volunteer Pay What You Feel donation entry and I believe we're going to have one of the organisers for that on the show next week to tell us all about it. Tell us about this community garden if you don't know much about it, how you can get involved. And finally, one more event um, going on. So going on from now until the 29th of September. So for the next few days, it is uh, an event called Gutter Bling. It's a live workspace with Dan Petley. And it is uh, an event at the Vestibules near Park Street. So this is the Vestibules Overlook College Green. There are two former entrances to City Hall. And the uh, artist Dan Petley is going to use the Park Street Vestibule as a reciprocal live workspace where visitors are invited to bring find objects. So that might be leftover junk objects, something you find just litter lying about. He's, if you bring those in, he's going to make them into sculptural jewellery pieces. And he looks at the relationships between individual memory and collective mythology. He wants to explore that through combining elements that con- correspond with these contributions using his collection of discarded items that has been growing for over 20 years. So quite a lot going on at the minute, depending what you're interested in, whether that's arts, whether that's community work, whether that's the community garden, lots going on. 
So we're almost at the end of our show. Uh, thank you again to Henry Coleman for coming in and speaking to us about the Planet Local Summit. Remember, that's happening Friday to Sunday this weekend. Do keep it locked to BCFM for more tunes and chat. But that is all from me, Shona Jemfrey, for now. So please, uh, yeah, do look after yourself. Take care. Um, yeah, look after yourself. Look after the planet and look after each other. This is the podcast version of One Love, One Planet, the award-winning environmental radio show, broadcast every Tuesday at 11am on BCFM Radio, available on 93.2 FM, on digital radio and on the BCFM website. The show was produced and presented by Shona Jemfrey. You can find us on Twitter at Shona Jemfrey and at BCFM Radio.